Before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to CoinKite for supporting this show. To me, CoinKite seems much more like a bunch of Bitcoin geeks making cool shit than a formal company. This, however, doesn't mean they don't take their work seriously. Quite on the contrary, as these guys take more of an adversarial mindset to the products they develop than any other company that I'm aware of in the Bitcoin space. Their most popular product is the cold card hardware wallet, which has become an extremely popular method amongst hardcore Bitcoiners for self-custodying their Bitcoin. The most recent version of this product, the MK4, is out now with several new features designed to increase ease of use, introduce even more security features for multiple attack vectors, and make the degree of security which cold card offers more robust than ever. Thankfully, these guys also like to have some fun and tinker with some not-so-serious products, which has resulted in a personal favorite of mine, the Block Clock Mini. Whether you've begun orienting your life around block time, need to check an open dime balance, want to keep an eye on the Bitcoin exchange rate, or just get a kick out of watching Moscow time slowly trend towards zero, the Block Clock Mini has become a favored piece of Bitcoin paraphernalia and an increasingly less subtle way of signaling that you've become fully orange-pilled. To learn more about all their awesome products and stay up to date on what they're working on, visit coinkite.com. Let's do it. Here we go. We're live, baby. Um, what were we just talking about? Yeah, I think, I think part of the, the thing for me has been, you know, if, you're, if you believe in the thesis and if you're as all in as you're going to be, and if you have a fairly good idea of what's on the horizon, then all the, like... It's, it's almost hard for all the noise to even be relevant, like for it to, for it to register. Because if it, it, relevance to a degree is like things that make certain actions consequential or things that inspire certain actions, right? And so all this, all the craziness that's going on and all the constant talk about the CPI print and the macro and the interest rates and the all this stuff, like I, again, like I told you before we started, I appreciate that many of us are in different circumstances and some we're in our closer proximity to these issues and some are further away and that dictates how relevant they are. But um, it all just, it, it increasingly irrelevant, which I love because what it's doing is just narrowing my focus tremendously on the things that are seemingly still relevant and increasingly relevant. And all the noise is just, whereas before I think I, for whatever reason, engaged in it too much, you know, like hooked into the Twitter feed all the time. And just, you know, cause it's so, it's like a freak show, right? So even though it's not that relevant to you, like you want to watch it now, for whatever reason, it seems to be way easier to just push all that out and focus on the things that are relevant and meaningful. And among other things, that's just meant spending a lot less time on Twitter. So, you know, yeah, no, I, I totally echo that. I mean, I think when we had the big plunge, you know, from wherever we were mid forties or whatever, I remember tweeting out, I'm like, well, this is the first time I've wanted to be on Twitter in a while, just because, you know, I don't know, the, 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 the pleb in me that wanted to, you know, I don't know, hold, you know, throw out some hold, some hold <laughs> tweets, basically. But that was the first time in a while that, um, you know, there was a part of me wanted to be on the feed. But so I, I totally echo that. And I think, I think why, I mean, if I hazard a guess as to like, to explain that it's like, like once your personal, once your personal barometer of value, it gets honed, then I don't know. It's like you, I start to feel like my life is mine 
and the outside is like, you know, the outside is going to do what it's going to do. And I got to engage with it to a degree, but mostly I start to feel agency, you know, a kind of agency that allows me to feel good about what I'm doing because it's my choices and my, you know, my time. And so that's, I think that's a really good sign. And I think, you know, the, again, the speaking in broad brushstrokes here, there's a lot of nuance, but treating all the clown world noise as it should be treated in my view, which is as irrelevant or at least uninteresting and, and focusing and amplifying on the things that are relevant and are interesting and that are contributing to, you know, this emerging culture and world that I think a lot of us share, you know, again, broadly speaking, just seems to be the right approach, you know, and like to use a very simple recent example, and you know, I don't really give a fuck one way or the other, but like the CPI number, Mm. I don't, how's that? Like, I don't feel the need to comment or look or like, that's totally irrelevant to me. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. change any of my allocation or anything like that. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just part of the the show, you know? And so um, it's like, I don't know what it's been, I guess in the past I've struggled to, to uh, like not pay attention to things that are not super relevant and for whatever. And I think, you know, let's be real bear markets tend to do this anyways, because that like constant dopamine rush of all time highs is not there to like, just suck you in and, you know, that aspect of things. And it's becomes a little bit more subdued perhaps. And you can focus on things that, well, you can, you're not drawn away as much. And so you can focus on other things, but I think also it's just that ongoing process of continuing to dial in your lifestyle around the things that you think are most valuable and meaningful all the way from, you know, workout and diet and routine and like being more, uh, disciplined with how you allocate your time and making sure that like, when it's time to do this thing, you're doing that thing. And it waxes and wanes based on life circumstances and stuff for sure. But, um, but yeah, the, the focus just continues to narrow and become clearer and clearer, which is great because it means more productivity and more enjoyment of the things that you do and more like you believe more in the things that you're spending your time in. And that generates a certain satisfaction as well. So I hope this trend continues, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's something about like, um, the analogy sort of that pops is like you know, the meme of like, there's no counterparty risk, you know? And, uh, right. There's no, so you don't got to yeah, worry the, about anybody else. Basically. Yeah. It's like, there's no counterparty in your life that you're kind of like, you know, heavily balancing or something, you know, something, something to that, to that tune. And that's a, um, again, another one of those features. I mean, I get, I guess when I think about that, it's like my relationship to, you know, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin protocol, like, you know, I, I first stumbled into in, in sort of late stumbled onto it in like late 216, and then more so sort of early 217. And, um, and was, you know, I basically addicted, you know, I've been addicted for years, like learning about it, talking about it, you know, obsessing. And now, um, you know, I don't know the technicals the way that a lot of guys do, but you know, I've gotten better at it. Um, I don't know the under the hood, the way nearly the way that some people do, but I've gotten a little better at it. Um, but I've, but my relationship to that, um, has calm, you know, like I, I, for the most part, I feel good about 
the direction post 217 post fork wars um um you know and and so that's kind of what's brought me calm because you know i'm i'm all in so um yeah my relationship to the other things now in life that often toss and turn people around it's just not as important you know and so yeah it, it just frees up this and, and and that's not you know it's not necessarily even that easy of a thing necessarily because you know i have my sort of pre pre bitcoin life and and i have my post bitcoin life and now i have in some ways more questions like um yeah, I look at my life and I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. And, and what's next for me now, you know, now that I'm, I continue to recalibrate and sense things that, you know, even more so what's meaningful to me, what's meaningful to me. And, and that's just sort of the, whatever the mantra, it's like the openings are, are coming. It's almost like the questions are coming. The, you know, the open spaces are coming and uh, you know, I got a, for me personally, I gotta look at like, yeah, now what is my contribution gonna be? Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, some of the things that preoccupied me, and you know, let's be really honest about it. For me, it was like I I became, you know, sort of 215, 260. I'm like, I never really was about money. And then I was like, money's a thing. I gotta know what this is, you know. And uh, and then when I finally did go down the rabbit hole and learned a bunch of stuff. And now I'm more at ease about money. So, so, so now I'm, you know, I keep asking myself now what's next? Like I got a sense of it, but what is my contribution going to be? Um, and, you know, it's a wonderful question to have, and it's a little daunting too, you know, it's like the calibration is continuing. Yeah. Um, your, your mic is popping a little bit. Can you turn down the gain a tiny, tiny bit? Yeah, or yeah, sure. Step back or, a little bit. Or, yeah, yeah. I'll turn it down. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the irony of all this, right? Like you, in what you just said, you were like, since being all in, like I'm at peace, you know, that, that all in Zen, whereas, you know, traditionally speaking, you would think like, if you're, if all your eggs are in one basket, if you're so, if you're, you know, you're so tied to the outcome of one particular thing, you'd be like losing sleep over it, or you'd, you know, you'd be stressed yeah. in the nines. But like in this particular case, both because of the asset and because of, you know, our makeups perhaps, uh, being all in elicits a sense of calm and peace. It's like, it's a, it's a really phenomenal, interesting thing, but you know, what you were saying, I, I, again, I don't know how much of this I'm shading with my own, uh, with, with what's happening with me internally, but I do get the sense with like a lot of people I'm interacting with in the space and observing that I think a lot of people may feel the way that you just described where it's like, you know, you always want to keep up to date on things that you don't know about the area of your interest. But again, like to your point about knowing how Bitcoin works, like intimately under the hood, how relevant is that for your aims and for your goals? Like, you know, well, your action will probably dictate how relevant it is. So whatever degree of, you know, technological understanding you have about this system, that's probably sufficient for you. But I I think the broader issue is that I think people are starting to realize, at, le- at least if you've been in for a while, that uh, Bitcoin is a means, not an end. And we're starting to give greater consideration to be like, well, what is the end? 
again, this is not over yet. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Nothing is guaranteed. All the normal disclaimers. But, you know, people are starting. You feel that sense of freedom. You feel that sense of calm. You have, you're increasingly uh, freeing yourself from the shackles of the fiat world, whether that be a fiat job or just the considerations that had to go with, a, you know, a life that was more where where all of those issues were more relevant prior and they're becoming less and less so. And it's like this kind of new perception is dawning and it's begging the question like, oh, so what is the end for which Bitcoin is the means? What am I, what should I be striving for here? You know, what, what type of life am I trying to create? What should be the things that are most valuable to me that I want to accumulate or experience or orient myself by? And, you know, this has been the bulk of my interest and the, the written work that I'm currently working on is, is all about that. Because for me, it's like, that's kind of the only relevant thing, at least, you know, not the only relevant thing, but, but this where my interest is naturally going as a result of, you know, what I just said being largely the case for me. And, and, and that's, that's the part where everything gets reconstituted, right? That's the part where like, if you're going to make those determinations, you kind of got to reassess the entire world with this new perception or frame of reference so that you can use your understanding of that world to make those determinations or to make those decisions or at least to investigate them uh, with as much clarity as possible and that's the really exciting part because and I, I know a lot of us feel this way this is like this intellectual uh, explosion you know like yeah explosion or something like th there's just so much to be discovered and learned now and like it's bizarre and this is just a small example again I'm, part of this exploration is like talking about relevance right but i'm about to somewhat contradict myself by saying like now i find myself exploring topics and subjects that i hadn't previously been interested in just to see if with this new sort of frame of reference or perspective they are interesting you know and so i'm like i started studying physics just because it's like i want to know how that shit works like that's that's interesting to me in tandem mm -hmm. with studying you know whatever economics and philosophy and you know history and and all this kind of stuff so that you can because the better understanding you have of the world obviously the better position you're in to figure out the the line that you want to pursue th through it all and um I don't know. It seems like many are, are kind of finding themselves in that position. And it's incredibly, again, once, once again, privileged, but also just really enjoyable. Like you, it's like every day there's nothing but things to do and discover. And like, there's certainly no boredom in my life, I guess mm -hmm. is the, you know, one way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The air is cleaner, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I mean, what you said really reminded me of, uh, is that good? The, the mic, is that better? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it reminded me of, you know, a thought experiment I used to do, I guess when I was a little bit younger, I just sort of remembered it now, but it was this thing of like, you know, I, I, I would ask myself, okay, what do I want? You know, like, what do I want? And, and then, and then I would imagine getting it and then I'd be like, okay, then what, what do I want? And I imagine getting it and I imagine getting it. And then what happens if I just keep getting what I want over and, and then what? You know, like if you really exhaust that list to like, because mm. we all sort of, I think have this, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a common human experience of like, you know, my life, my life will happen or, you know, 
it will happen at some point, but it's not now or something like that. I don't know. There's a human element, I guess, maybe to the experience of time. And, uh, and so to go through this experiment of like, well, yeah, what if all those things that I think that are ahead for me or that I want, or what if I get them all, then what the fuck am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. like if, if, if desire in a way, if desire was to be fulfilled, I mean, would there just be another desire? I don't know. Um, yeah. So that, that, I think that sort of can but, help maybe clarify, like, what is, what is really meaningful to me? You know, if all the things that I think I want, suddenly I get, then what? Uh, anyways, that's, that's sort of remind me well, when you said that I, there was something I else, think, but I think this is Bitcoin is going to put a lot of us in that position, you know, like if, if we're right about this and Bitcoin continues to succeed and more and more people are kind of uh, have a greater foundational financial security, let's say, so they can be more, uh, they can have more choices in how they commit their time or what they pursue or what they have to submit themselves to. Uh, more and more people are going to be confronted with that very thought exercise, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, you got, cause so many of us, I mean, so few people get to do that because the necessities of daily life and deprivation and, and to a certain degree, like, uh, inculcated ambitions that perhaps aren't necessarily consciously derived or determined force us to not even have to confront those, right? Because, oh, Mm -hmm. I got to climb this ladder. I got to be on this path. I got to feed my family. You know, all those things Mm -hmm. remove one from that type of a a thought exercise or considerations. But it seems like Bitcoin is bringing more and more people back to it. And and it, it seems to me that that's kind of why there's a growing interest in, you know, the, for lack of a better term, philosophical or even theological aspects of this Bitcoin phenomenon, this emerging culture, because it's inevitable that you wind up there because if Bitcoin mm-hmm. is freedom money and it, and it actually grants you freedom, well, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're, you're just standing in freedom saying which direction and mm-hmm. those pursuits, those enterprises of philosophy and theology and religion, I think historically have been the ones that answer your question, which is once you get what you want and get what you want and get what you want and get like what's at the end or what should be at the end of that type of pursuit. And it's probably not just another a different colored Lambo, right? That doesn't seem to <laughs> instill a long-term sense of fulfillment or meaning, but these other domains seem to be wrestling with those questions. And again, what do you know? There seems to be like a massive hunger for, for discussions around them in, in this space, or at least again, I self-select for that, but I'm, no, I'm I seem to be observing it. Yeah, no, I would totally, I totally concur on that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it leads us to the, um, again, you know, we, we, I mean, even calling it a privilege is like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It is a privilege or it's our fucking design, you know, that, that this is, that this is, you know, what is human, what is possible, you know, that humans can feel potential, true potential, and that they can be drawn to something, you know, um, yeah. And, and so hopefully, you know, that's, that's where we're headed for everyone, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it's not just a, a, a privileged few, but you know, that, that, that when given, or I don't know, given granted, I don't know, achieve the, that, that place of like, I have freedom to choose. I have freedom to decide. I can listen to what gives me the tingles, 
you know, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're reading physics, who knows, you know, you start d- diving into physics and suddenly you get the tingles about something, you get drawn to something like that's, you know, I guess my idealistic self, you know, my ideal, my, the idealism in me is like every human deserves that every human deserves this thing of like the space to, you know, feel what's really true for them and then hopefully be able to follow it. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Deserves just like uh, privilege is a funny word and carries mm-hmm. a lot of baggage itself, you know, cause in many cases you could, you could flip this on its head and just say, it's the incremental benefits of taking more and more and more responsibility for oneself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in establishing, you know, freedom of various kinds, that's the other side of that is taking responsibility. And, and making the sacrifices, the requisite sacrifices to take that responsibility. And then, you know, like, again, you follow that path up far enough and it's like, well, what's the greatest sacrifice I can make for the greatest responsibility I can take to experience the greatest amount of meaning. Right. And yeah, we're back yeah. right back into yeah. theological narrative and stuff like that. And, uh, but I, but this seems all roads seems seem to converge, uh, in that sort of way, again, at least for me. And, um, I think this is why we talk about, or, and why people get the sense that like, a renaissance is probably, you know, a type of renaissance is probably going to be the outcome of this phenomenon succeeding because this is the type of reframing of perspective and ambition and aspiration and all that kind of stuff that this seems to be producing in people. And these are the sorts of questions that seem, it seems to be producing in people. And how can you not have a, a renaissance of a certain kind when that happens, especially given the, the era and the cult, the socio-cultural situation that it's coming out of, you know, that I think, which is funny because I think a lot of us in the Bitcoin, in Bitcoin land are extremely critical of it. And this is why we refer to it as clown world and why that, why it seems so much like that. But again, you know, to so many people, we're, you know, at the height of civilization and things have never been better and more modern. And, 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 you know, if we can just all avoid dying of some, uh, ridiculous virus and you know we keep going in the in in this awesome direction we've been going in and i think many more and more people all the time and some as a result of engaging and understand and attempting to understand bitcoin are beginning to realize that it's probably not going to be on the same trajectory we're probably not going to value the same things we're probably not going to aspire for the same things as individuals and as you know a society or a culture or a collective and, and a lot of things are going to change, but you know, you wouldn't use the word Renaissance if you didn't think those changes were going to be good. Mm. And, um, I don't know. And all of us doing this, right. Wrestling with these ideas and, and reorienting our behavior accordingly is what creates that. It's not like it just, you sit back and it happens. It's like, it's because millions of people end up having these thoughts, end up taking more responsibility, end up pursuing different reframing value for themselves and pursuing them end up using different means to achieve them. You know, all that stuff taken together emergently produces something akin to a Renaissance. And I, I certainly, you know, if, if things keep going in this direction, we don't, you know, annihilate ourselves beforehand. I think that's probably what's going to happen in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I listen to uh, you and Gigi all the time and Gigi says this thing about how, uh, 
how Bitcoin burned off so much of himself, you know? <laughs> and it reminds me, it reminds me of like the question of what is money like that, that, that the Bitcoin rabbit hole, the money rabbit hole is like, uh, it is a kind of rite of passage, you know? And, and I think there is a kind of pain involved in a way. Um, yeah. And what you said, just, just reminded me of that. It's like the pain of, well, I guess just pain in general, you know, like the clown clown world, make no mistake. Like clown world is just like rife with pain. That, that's my take on it. It's, it, it. it comes out as this, whatever expression, but really it's just, there's, there's so much pain and, you know, the pain is, it, it is going to transform things, you know, on an individual level, I think it's very, you know, it is the thing. And, and then on a bigger level, um, you know, it should yeah. come as no surprise that a reassessment of oneself is taking place here, you know, or, or like a former self is being burnt off or whatever. Because like when you think about how your conception of yourself is even constituted, how you arrive at it, I mean, it's just it's years of feed information exchange, feedback, you know, signal accumulation of the culture that you're in, right? And just this constant back and forth of you defining yourself via in relation to or in contrast to those things. Mm -hmm. And if we're asserting here that that thing that we are in relation to is very much determined by the value exchange layer that sits at the bottom of it and the institutions and forms of governance that stem out of that, and that has is and now an, a, an alternative or an upgrade to that is emerging that is a dramatic departure from the, the prior one, then we should expect that, that um, the emerging landscape being built on top of that will constitute a far different environment or, or thing against which we are contrasting ourselves than, than the prior one. And as a result of that, we're going to see ourselves differently. We're going to understand ourselves differently. We're going to, you know, we're going to reconstitute ourselves in relation to that new environment versus the old. And so like, it just seems it would, it would be weird if there wasn't like a sense of a, you know, a pre and post or like a, a fiat self or a former burnt off self or, or a pre and post mm -hmm. Bitcoin self. It would be weird if that wasn't the case for those who really, you know, they don't just hold it as part of a diversified portfolio, but they kind of see its grander implications. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in that realm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm reflecting, you know, on myself and I'm like, it's like I had, it's almost like I, I, it's almost like I was waiting, not that I was waiting for Bitcoin, but it's like, I was living, I was living Bitcoin, but I was broke, you know? Um, and I didn't know what it was until, you know, whenever I found it, but I guess I felt, I guess I feel lucky that I stumbled into, you know, the place in my life where I was like, Oh, value. You know, I started to sense value for myself and meaningfulness for myself. Um, and then Bitcoin emerged. It was just like, you know, the, the, the fit was just so it just fit. Mm -hmm. um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. And, and so, I mean, one of my more recent, um, one of my more recent rabbit holes, I don't know if you know this, but, but I'm, um, I feel like a new dad, but uh, you know, she's now four and a half, my little one. Um, but this idea of parent, this thing of parenting, this experience of parenting and um, 
Yeah. I mean, until you're, <laughs> you're not a parent, right, John? Not, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it happens, it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it points to, to back to, to this, you know, broader, I guess, take that I have that, that it's, it's experience that, that, that experience is the thing. And we've had a couple of conversations about, you know, uh, the divine and, and this, this thread, this thing of like, what is this underlying thing, you know? Um, and I, I really subscribe to this take that it's like experiential, that, 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 that the divine can only be that, that meaning that value can only be experienced and that each person has to have their own experience of it, I guess. Um, and um, how am I tying this back to, to parenting? Um, one of my, I guess one of my new rabbit holes, maybe, maybe, I don't know, is just early childhood development mm. and, and how um, from the stuff I've learned and studied and, and now I'm, implementing and experiencing for myself, but also observing other parents and everything else, you know, and reading some cool stuff. Um, I'm starting to move towards this idea that these early years for humans are much more um, impressionable than we think. And, and that in some ways, maybe they're the key and maybe they're going to be one of the maybe those things are going to be one of the major shifts as this Renaissance emerges is our, our, our look at, you know, our focus upon, you know, early humans. Um, because I think there's a, there's just a, it, there's a vital sort of chunk of time there. And, and that sort of sets in motion that human being, you know, maybe for a, forever. Um, and now that I've you know been a parent and I'm, you know, she's four and a half now, <clears throat> It's like, yeah, I, thanks to really, thanks to Bitcoin, thanks to Bitcoin. Like, like I've been mostly like a professional dad, like right. for, for, for four and a half years. And I mean, I just, I'm so grateful for that. Like awesome. I, I have that, I, I've had that time and, you know, it, it's, it's the beginning of something obviously, but that time is like, yeah, it's just hard to describe. And, and it ties back to, you know, our previous conversation, I think, or, or, or topic of like freedom, choice, feeling sovereign agency or whatever, because, you know, um, and maybe this is that, you know, maybe this is a kernel at the heart of like you, these questions that you keep asking and these conversations you keep having, which is like, you know, we're, we're born. That's <laughs> wild. We'll go maybe we'll, you know, cosmic stuff, but we're born, you know, into this world and, and we are ultimately dependent. Like, you know, I was there with my wife the whole time. It was like two days of labor. It's like the adrenaline and the, you know, and then this little thing comes out and it's like, it's just like, you can't, there's no words can describe the, you know, and then the adrenaline settles after like a week. And I'm like, Oh, this kid's not a rental. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, uh, I'm a parent now. Um, but but, you know, we come out as humans, like ultimately dependent and, you know, little humans don't survive unless, you know, 
they're just ultimately dependent. And I don't know if we've touched on this before in any of our combos, but, but this thing is like wired into us, which is like, we look up and out, you know, for someone to, we depend on them for our survival when we're little, like really little. And, 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 you know, little kids are, unless they've experienced some kind of, you know, intense experience that has altered their ability to navigate, you know, they're enormously talented. They can, they can adapt, adjust to anything. You know, we humans can pretty much adapt and adjust to anything as we're seeing, like we're two and a half years into like, no one would have predicted and look how we've, you know, properly or improperly adapted to what's happened. Um, And so where I'm going with this, I guess, is like, it's kind of part of our design to look up and out, out of us for our survival. In some ways it's, it's woven into us, you know? And then it's, I think it's the parenting or the caregivers or the, you know, then it's their place in the world to kind of support, but then reflect back, support, acknowledge, have attention, you know, have consciousness around the interaction with this, human developing and then somehow reflect back that at some point and maybe it's over the course of many years that that human has to go now it's me you know now it's mine it's that i I no longer have to look outwards to, to to survive and to be dependent and look at someone bigger than me authoritative you know my survival and suddenly the, at some point, hopefully it doesn't happen for everybody right now. I don't think in, the, in our culture, but at some point, hopefully a human goes back in and goes, now it's my responsibility. It's no longer anybody else's. It's my time to, but that's an, that's a fascinating shift because mm. I do believe it's part of our makeup design. It's a feature that we have to look out and adapt. Otherwise we don't make it, you know, it's the Darwinism at its best. You come out completely dependent, but then how does the shift happen? You know, how does the shift happen, you know, over the course of whatever years, maybe for some people, it's like an abrupt thing, you know, an abrupt experience and suddenly, um, but yeah, that's some of the stuff I've been thinking about, especially as a parent now. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. And, you know, the, the whole starting completely and utterly dependent, and then perhaps at least one of the possible objectives to an individual's life or existence is freedom or liberation. And, you know, so you go from 100% dependence to even not being dependent on like psychological aspects of yourself, you know, this idea of like Nirvana or, or liberation where you experience, uh, you know, the greatest sense of lack of, conf- well, this is the ego death idea too, right? Where you, you, you mm-hmm. kind of even notion of yourself dissolves and you, you experience the, the highest form of liberation possible. And perhaps uh, one of the, perhaps a beneficial way to approach life is to increasingly look at it in terms of how can I take more responsibility and therefore establish more freedom in my life. And then it goes back to the thing that we were, we were discussing, perhaps the whole point of seeking liberation is so that you can more consciously engage the very thing that determines uh, the emergence, you know, the degree to which you contribute to the emergence of either good on the far end of the good side of the spectrum and evil on the side and on the far side of that spectrum right now, like 
every act will will fall most likely not on the extremes of those but like you know that's kind of the idea of the logos right like it's your divine ability to determine what type of creator you're going to be as a as a agent as a force in the world and if you don't have freedom if you're not completely in control of making those choices for yourself then you you are the agent of someone else's will right mm -hmm. you're being you're being swayed or influenced or forced to become a force or a a something which creates in the world that is not using their own judgment, their own rationale, their own logos to determine what that should be. And it's being co-opted by another. And in some sense, like what could be worse than that of giving, mm -hmm. you know, that giving away your most fundamental divine right, as it were. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, child, early childhood development is something that I've always been super interested in as well. Haven't put uh you know, theory into practice quite yet, but I, I hope to do so soon. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, how do you do that properly? And what's interesting is, you know, I think I even mentioned to this, this to you uh, in one of our prior conversations, but when I read the book, uh, it's right in front of me, so I should know the title, The Origins and History of Consciousness. Did I tell you about that one? I'm sure I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we haven't really talked about it. No, I, I, I read it as well. We were, we were almost going to collide on it, but I, I love that book. Yeah, and, and I mean, one of the, the thesis that he represents there, which, which Jung, I think, did to a certain degree and Peterson expands on, is that like a lot of this uh, cultural iconography, symbolism, narrative that's emerged since time, you know, the beginning of time has basically been a, a rep an external representation of this the psychological drama that plays out from a mm -hmm. person being coming into the world and being completely dependent in mm -hmm. every conceivable way on mm -hmm. on the person that brought them into the world and then over the course of time and in different stages of their life detaching in the most optimal way possible from mm -hmm. those dependencies until they become a fully realized or actualized individual self and they're not uh, subservient or subordinate to either you know their biological progenitors for example or the psychological components that might otherwise influence them or bring them down or co-opt them or whatever like mm -hmm. and and these stories are the process again uh properly quote-unquote interpreted not given in a, a material interpretation uh, our way is like the, the handing down of the wisdom and how to do that of the wisdom of how to do that properly. And again, I mean, that's one interpretation. A lot of people will disagree with it, but, you know, certainly reading this book was eye opening to me and it, it seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, I think it's utterly, I think it's utterly brilliant um, mm. that, that, that is the journey of, of becoming free of nature and nurture. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the that we become free of our nurture and our nature um and then we create like like that is the that is the human process and and there's no attainment you know but but there's there is that i guess journey um and it is difficult to talk about it's difficult to describe you know it is difficult to to um articulate but there's something about becoming free from yeah our nature and our nurture you know yeah that's um and i think that's among, so beautiful among other things this is part of the reason why in the future I, 
you know, if we make it, if we're on a Bitcoin standard, if we experience this type of renaissance that we always talk about, I suspect there will be far more intentional uh, passing through the stages of life. You know, so again, you have mm. a you mm. have a kid, and as they grow up, like the demarcation points of their development will be far more explicit, and mm. each one will be characterized by explicit uh, experiences, explicit uh, values and principles, ex- like so that we we optimize the chances that they're able to engage in that process that's been explicated in myth and story throughout the ages in the most conscious and effective manner possible such that it leads to uh well them becoming for lack of a better term an optimized individual you know mm-hmm. who's who's taking the right amount of responsibility who's able to establish the right amount of uh the maximal amount of freedom and then who's in the greatest position possible to determine how they want to contribute to the unfolding process mm-hmm. or manifestation of creation itself mm-hmm. right i mean sounds you know that last part's a little bit dramatic but it, it is no that, it isn't right? i mean yeah what no else, it what isn't else are you yeah no it isn't and I, and I think what you're describing you know i mean for me anyways in a nutshell is like parenting <laughs> you know <laughs> well, it's cool, like yeah, you, sure. you're kind of describing parenting you know which is uh I no mean, pressure <laughs> <laughs> no pressure but also you know um no pressure but also like you know, what an amazing, you know, I mean, people always talk about it, right? I mean, I heard about it of friends. Um, it, it, it sure. is Why, really... Why'd you wait so long? Best thing ever. In, ineffable. You know, yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, my, my, my and I mean, yeah, <laughs> my, 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 my current take, you know, I'm four and a half years in and um, not to get into too many details, but our, you know, our little one wasn't the best sleeper and, you know, I'm a very, biological person yeah you know i'm a so so it was a big thing you know and and it was a uh for my wife and i and um and um there's nothing else i you know there's nothing else i've experienced in my life that is that is equally like being a parent okay equally mundane and miraculous Mm. you know because like each day it's like you know it's like these simple simple needs that must be met day after day after day. And it's like, there's a mundaneness about it. That's like, but, but at the same time, it's just, it's, it's, it's miraculous. So yeah, there's nothing else quite like it. I'm a bit of a bit of a tangent there, but like, um, it's wild. It's a wild thing, but yeah, going back more. So to this, yeah, this idea of like the, 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 um, the early years. Um, I think it's, I think there's so, so much about it. We don't know, mm. you know, I think there's just so much about it. We don't know. And I think in the coming years, it's going to be one of the primary things that um, people look at, you know, I know it's, I know, I know it's growing. I know it's a, it's a, it's a growing kind of intelligence. Um, but I think it's going to be the thing that we look at as being, I guess for lack of better description, sacred and. um, Totally, totally. I mean, you know, and again, amongst the phenomenon that I've been observing seems to be the case that someone who's able to establish, you know, a certain degree of financial security through Bitcoin and other forms of freedom as a result of that, there's a lot of family starting going on, you know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of baby making happening. That seems to be an impulse. Mm -hmm. And of course, why wouldn't it be when you end up 
at being able to, you know, jump off the hamster wheel and all the associated anxiety and stress. And you can look at your life and be like, well, what do I want it to be? And what's meaningful? And like, it's pretty, it's not that surprising that, you know, family and children would enter that picture because, you know, perhaps there's nothing more meaningful. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah. and no, I was, I was just gonna jump in. And, and I think the impulse, um, I think the impulse is, is, is the creative impulse, you know, that, that once we, um, and it goes back to like what we we're talking about. Once I get everything I want, or once I, once I have the freedom, once I've attained my sovereignty, like, I think what happens is we feel a creative impulse naturally that, mm-hmm. that what we want to do is build something, create something, contribute. Like we want to make a contribution once we feel free. That's what I think. I don't think once you feel free, I don't think you you, you just want to tag out and like disappear. I mean, maybe you want to disappear from what you had or what you were living before, but there's, I think the creative impulse really emerges um, when we start to feel, yeah, that freedom. Yeah, that would make a lot of, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and, and to your point about just tagging out, I mean, in this, everyone's different, obviously. So there's going to be all sorts of different approaches to this stuff, but, you know, you can appreciate that, you know, people that maybe really lost themselves in the fiat world and then established some degree of freedom, you know, maybe they're, they're just like, I, I don't want the hassle. Like I'm too kind of tired from it all. And I just want to check out, but, you know, again, you can't avoid confronting the inevitable question about meaning and value in your life. Cause if you just wind up on a beach sipping Mai Tais at some point, you're probably going to look at yourself and be like, is this it, you know, is this mm-hmm. what is most meaningful? And your, your mm-hmm. actions are certainly going to, uh, signal or dictate to the people around you that what you value. And that's always the case. And that's the thing that nobody can avoid, which is, which is such a juicy part about all this. Like nobody's hiding shit, you know, like I'm not hiding anything, any, any, certainly anyone who's like, you know, public in any capacity, cause it's all on display. It's like, this is what you are. This is what you're pursuing. And everything that anyone needs to know about you is pretty much in there. You know, everyone's got some, you know, personal things, of course, that they don't share, but like, the art, what we're motivated to do and the values and principles nestled within those actions and motivations for any, you know, sort of person with any degree of discerning eye, it's like, it's all there. And, you know, th- this actually is kind of relevant to the whole, like Bitcoiners are judgmental and the, and the cyber hornets are, are horrible sort of thing, because I think that like, that's just, um, an emerging recognition of that happening in a different way within an emerging culture. And, you know, sure, it's, it's, it's sometimes ugly and, and unnecessarily rough and all that kind of stuff, you know, maybe because it's coming out of, uh, it's detaching itself from the, the former notions of, of politeness and correctness and stuff. And as a result, it, it has to have that kind of edginess to it. Who knows? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a complex issue, but just to say that like, there's an emerging as a result of this freedom and as a result of people confronting these questions around value and meaning so much, their, their determinations are contributing to an emerging ethic that's coming up from the bottom of that. And some are vocal, uh, you know, some vocally express that ethic, even, even though themselves they're imperfect. And I think everyone would agree to that, but like, this is how it's coming through. And, you know, Sometimes I laugh at the people that on the one hand, not laugh, but sometimes I, I wonder if people that 
both recognize that like a new, a, a different form of morality will emerge as the environment or the, the, the details of the environment which, in which we construct ourselves and as a result engage morality, as that changes, you would expect, and, and as it changes based on a, I think a base layer that we would say has a, a better morality or better ethics imbued into it, i.e., you know, the, the kind of attributes of Bitcoin, most people would agree like, yeah, that, that'll probably conjure up a better cultural ethic or signals that are better by which to constitute oneself with, but then criticize the initial form that it's taking and not be able to see through the veneer of uh, the sort of Joker-esque veneer that is over top of that initially and, and not be able to see maybe the mechanics that are working underneath. And maybe I'm wrong about all that, but it that, that just seems to be uh, the case for what I've been observing a lot in the people that are highly critical of, you know, the toxicity and all that. Jazz. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, th I think you're, 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 uh, you're in the realm of, you know, I mean, I think it's a complicated topic, but, but I think those are all valid, you know, thoughts about it. Um, I, th I think, you know, to tie it back to like parenting in a strange way, but like when you have something that you care about deeply, you're going to protect it. And, and that's not always going to be rational. And it's all, and it's not always going to be, you know, with cooth, you know, and with, um, you know, like the way that the Mike, the way that Michael Saylor sort of talks about Bitcoin, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, and the way he de, quote unquote debates in the, in the public space about it, you know, there's just so much tact there, you know, and he has, and he has such a facility for debate and language. Right. But you can also feel that it does, at least that's my take so far that it does mean a lot to him. Now, Twitter anon with, you know, 8,000 subs, it might mean like, you know, Bitcoin might feel like his own fucking child, you know, and he's going to defend it the best way that he knows how, which might be just vitriolic. Um, but what I get from it is just like, it matters. It means so much. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's sometimes, you know, the insults are like unnecessary and that's, and that's maybe a broader, you know, more of a broader conversation, I think, which sure. I'd love to go into as well, which is about, um, just, just intensity and, and rage and where do you put it in this world? You know, mm -hmm. where, where, what space have we made for, I'd say particularly male intensity, you know, where's the space for it? Yeah. Um, so I think it comes out in unintended ways, but um, yeah, when you care about something deeply, fucking rights, man, like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes in protecting that thing. You know, you're, you're not going to be thinking clearly at all times. You might be on tilt. You can see guys on Twitter when they go going back and forth. And then I'm like, well, that guy's on tilt. Like he's, 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 he's firing on all cylinders and he might not be aware, you know, 24 hours later, he's like, Oh, geez, what happened there? Um, yeah. But no, but totally. I, I mean, people don't I always speak the way that they would in hindsight think was best, you know, or that was the best representation or reflection of both themselves and the idea that they were trying to get across obviously mm -hmm. um and you know say i agree with your remarks on sailor you know sailor once told me like something akin to don't win the argument just win you know mm -hmm. and 
his life is, is probably a fairly decent reflection of that type of approach or philosophy. And, you know, I, I, I think that's very wise and I, I def, I've considered a lot and it has changed to a certain degree how I interact, but nevertheless, I still appreciate when someone lets their, like the, the fullness of how they feel <laughs> about something known. Right. And they're not, they're not catering to a particular audience. They're not restraining their emotions about it. Like it's all just there on the table. I appreciate that too, you know? And so oh. I don't know, I don't have the answer about how and when to strike that balance, but I, you know, there's a, there's a value in both, I guess. And so I appreciate that both are available, but yeah, to I, your, go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say to your point about um, intensity and rage. I mean, this, this goes back to the idea that I think as we move into a Bitcoin era, let's say, I think there will be a type of archaic revival where we look at the past and we look at different rites of passage and all that kind of stuff. And then we bring them back and we integrate them into, you know, modern ideas around development and value and meaning and that kind of stuff. And hopefully we come up with something that's better than anything we've ever had, you know, because we've to, I mean, this day and age, gym class is, is almost too like toxic masculine for in certain schools, right. Where even that's being done away with, let alone like, you know, wherever it was like Sparta and, you know, 600 BC, where when you turn 13, you go into the forest with a spear. And if you come out alive, then great. You're a part of the adult class. And if you don't, well, you never should have been, you know? And, mm. and so that that's a pretty big divergence. And I think we'll, we're, we're going to reintroduce some of those things in the most appropriate manner ever and like recognize that we have certain elements of our nature and that we have certain elements of our psyche and our consciousness that first of all we want to be familiar with we want to acquaint ourselves with we want to not you know uh, reject or sweep under the rug like let's let's try to understand what they are and then once we understand them we have to say all right what's the best approach to take to restrain them and orient them towards the best use possible or the best integration into our broader consciousness possible and one of those things is definitely the propensity for all human beings and maybe even all animals but in you know relative within the human species men more than women have this both capacity and impulse toward aggression right especially on the extremes mm -hmm. and so what do you do about that? You certainly don't ignore it. You certainly don't try to like equalize everything. That just makes it worse as, as again, Peterson is so often to point out. Um, and I think we, you have to have rituals and practices in place that allow that aspect of ourselves to be explored and then um, not restrained, like uh, engaged in, in, the, in the proper way. You know, mm -hmm. and like, I don't know what that's going to be. An overly simplified example is like, you know, guys got to get in like, like wrestling or something when you're, when you're a young kid, just to, to feel that, feel the physiological pain, the challenge, the grit, the interaction, like all that stuff. It doesn't mean you have to become a wrestler. It doesn't mean you have to be like a super masculine person. And, you know, maybe that's not applicable for every single person, but just that there needs to be ways to recognize and address the components of ourselves and be able to rest restrain and point, you know, the point them in the right direction, whatever capacity or aspect of ourselves it is. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all about this. This has been like, probably, you know, in one form or another, like defined my, my life for the last like, couple decades. And it's, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's, 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 um, again, these, these broader sort of analogies, but like, it's like letting go of this idea, which is often a projection or of that someone from the top down should decide like how things should be, as opposed to from the bottom up, like, what are the instincts? What are the instincts? What are the, what are the human things that are underneath that are running the show no matter what? So you might as well get to know what they are. You might as well explore them. You might as well, because they're going to do it no matter what. They're just going to do it in different ways, depending on how, yeah. you know, how, how someone comes over the top. And it, and it ties back to our thing of like early childhood development. You know, it's like parents that um, can foster and make space for all the sort of human instincts that can come out of a child, you know, depending on whatever, everything from, from the nine months of them in the, in the womb to what kind of a birth it was to like, just becoming a fucking human, like who, no one knows anything about it. (laughs) No one really knows what it, you know, what it engenders in us. So why, why not, you know, make space for, discovering that, you know, fostering that. And, and when it comes to men, yes, especially, I mean, I'm raising a daughter now. So I'm sometimes I'm in uncharted water, you know, and my wife is doing her thing, which is amazing, but I grew up with three brothers, you know, there was four of us and, you know, I grew up in a pack. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, there's an essential, there's an, there's an essence, I think, to a lot, a lot of men that is like, that aggression is essential. It's, it's not, it's not even something to like, it's essential. It's to be fostered. It's to be encouraged, you know, so that it can be channeled. Like it's life force, you know, people, people like to judge things, you know, everything from sexuality to rage to, you know, violence. And I, I like to go first principles, get down there and go, that is fucking life force. You know, if we start putting all these things on top of it, I mean, that life force is going to go somewhere. And often people who have, you know, had the, their, their wrist slapped or their, you know, put down upon that, that energy is going to go somewhere. It often goes into self-destruction. You know, it goes into, it's got to go somewhere. Mm. So, um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, sexuality is similar. It's like, there's, there's a life force to it, um, that has to flow. If it doesn't flow, um, it's going to come through the side door, you know, somehow, and yeah. it's going to be much worse than being able to, yeah, I guess encourage it, embrace it. So channel it properly. I mean, channel it properly. Yeah. That's, you know, even in my own life, I remember, you know, I was like 22 or 23. I was in China and, you know, I'd, I'd always been athletic and large enough that I, you know, I, I didn't in like normal peer environments in high school and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I always felt physically capable, but I always recognized that like not being able to, at least at a base level, take care of myself in combat was like, I felt the insecurity of that. Like, I was like, that's a vulnerability and the insecure. What I have around that insecurity is just, I don't know how I'm going to react. Maybe I'll react in the completely wrong way. And, and Mm. so that would be bad. And also just having this latent insecurity is, I I don't think is a good thing either. I want to flush that out. You know, I want, I want to make sure that that's being accounted for. 
and you know that's when i started boxing and kickboxing and and at least again like i'm no i'm no professional fighter or anything but having a certain degree of competency there just to dial down the anxiety or insecurity around that aspect of of life right and about to your point about that force of energy that's in you that can be applied to a variety of different things and must be applied to a variety of different things at certain times and places, not all of which are of, of, are of your own choosing, you know? So when you're placed in a, in a, in a circumstance that is unexpected, do, are you properly equipped to deal with it as best as possible? Now, the answer is probably no, not as best as possible, but are you able to deal with it in a manner that at least you're not going to, you have a chance of, of getting yourself through it or, you know, you, you err on the side of getting through it better than getting through it worse. And I agree with you, you know, like this whole, you know, and again, it's too, uh, it's not all to blame with fiat, right. But broadly speaking, this fiat culture where we just try all those uncomfortable things, all those insecurities, all those things that we either don't want to, or haven't spent the time to understand or learn how to deal with, they all get swept under the rug. And what do you get when you just have this intense burning, you know, insecurity and rage and stuff like you were talking about, you get people going into a school and shooting up 20 kids, mm. you know, because mm. they just, there's, they're completely un, incapable of channeling and understanding and, and engaging that energy properly. And mm. they go and do these horrendous things either to themselves or to other people. And, you know, and then of course the instrument that they do it with is what is blamed rather than the motivation of why they engage in that behavior. And then by virtue of that, by not assessing why that happened properly, then you end up making the whole thing worse because you end mm -hmm. up trying to fix the wrong thing. And as a result, making the entire circumstance worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and the, the, <clears throat> again, it's that top down thing, you know, people, people quote unquote in authority, wanting to stay in authority and think that, and also know that there is a human, you know, there's a human, I don't, I call it like a, in a way of fallibility to like, if you don't come out of that, if you don't emerge from that design, that is other people are going to take care of me, you know, then it stays with you. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there are people that know that and exploit that. That's for sure. We've seen it. We've seen it in, 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 in a huge well, this, way in the last this is couple of years. Nanny, the nanny state can be the nanny state because there's so many people that need or at least will accept nannying right mm -hmm. i mean there's there's a lot of uh you know middle-aged children out there probably mm -hmm. all of us to some degree because we're products of this culture and you know as much as we're trying to extricate ourselves from it and ascend or become a different version of ourselves of ourselves and recognition of of you know the how poor the signals that we've been receiving for our whole life and constructing ourselves are and were um, it's still probably true in us to a certain degree. And I, I fully expect future generations to be less nannyable, right. And less desiring of, of mm -hmm. a nanny and less susceptible to just being willing. Someone comes in and say, Hey, I'll take care of this for you. I'll take this responsibility off your shoulders. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. And all you need to do is exactly what I tell you. And, you know, we live in an age today where a huge portion of people go, sure. You know, govern me harder, daddy, Ra rather than, no, leave me alone. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm fully capable of determining all this shit for myself. Yeah. And, and, and as fiat dies, um, and hopefully, you know, it's good. Obviously it's going to be a rough period, but like, hopefully what returns is, um, 
sustainability and sustainability of the family such that, you know, one or both have much more time to be parents. It's a huge thing, especially in those early years. It's, it, it is a huge thing because these things all just sort of cycle on top of each other, right? If you, if you grow up in a family and you literally have a nanny, I mean, maybe they care, maybe they don't or whatever, or, or you have one parent or you, you know, or you just have parents that are constantly stressed and distracted. Uh, it, it has just an immeasurable effect. And this is generation after generation after generation. And so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people are quote unquote, choosing not to be parents. Yeah. For some people, I get it. You know, I totally get it, but some people are doing it. Well, whatever I can't, I can't judge. Right. But, but what I, but I, what I foresee is that we will again, realize, Oh, this is the thing. Like you got to have caring, attentive, people around these young people. That's everything. You know, you got to be able to hold all of, you know, what they're exploring as they become humans, they all of their, you know, desires and all their life force basically without shutting it down or without ignoring it or without, you know. Yeah. And that's also like one of the elephants in the room today is like, you, you look at any culture or society, you know, parts of the U S are a great example. And you, all these social problems, whether it's substance abuse or violence or, uh, you know, whatever, all, all that kind of stuff. How much of it is, if not probably primarily influenced, but at least greatly influenced by uh, the breakdown of the nuclear family, right? Like, it, like no father. Um, it's everything. Uh, John. The deprivation it's it. in the family, all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's basically it's that. It. If you have a strong, stable nuclear family, society is probably more or less doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. If you have two like attentive, you know, aware caregivers, you know, and, and I think it's, I can't judge, you know, but I think it's good to have the balance of the direct energy, quote unquote, of the man and the more nurturing, you know, wide energy of the woman. Like, I think that balance is really great for, for children. Mm -hmm. And I, I, Again, this might be controversial, but I'll say it. Um, uh, I think it's part of the reason why we're having such issues with the gender stuff and, 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 the, and, the, and, and what people identify as. Because I think, again, I might be wrong. This is just an in- intuition, right? But I think that when, when, a ch- when a child doesn't have a stable sort of direct masculine energy supporting them and a stable nurturing, you know, female energy supporting them, mm-hmm. the, the mix goes like the, the balance goes, you know, and sometimes it's in one direction, you know, because I didn't have this. So now I'm all the way in this direction or I was hurt by this. So I go all the way in the opposite direction. And and I think when that balance isn't there, that's why we're seeing so much of, you know, whatever this is, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I I have enormous empathy, but it's, there isn't, there's a kind of aberration that we're experiencing. I don't know exactly what it is, but I can, I know it's some kind of aberration. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, that's probably a component as is again to this theme that we've been discussing around 
how you constitute yourself based on the signals that are available in the environment and the culture in which you develop, um, you know, when that is increasingly untethered from, you know, truth in many ways, as I think the fiat system increasingly is, you know, those, all those signals are less and less grounded in truth. You know, you're living in kind of a, you know, a somewhat of a make-believe sort of environment, um, then many things become untethered from a more fundamental truth. doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, the realm of religion or economics or one's self-conception, what one, th- one thinks mm-hmm. one is, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like there, there's, there's more allowance, there's more space for the, for the there's, there's less of a necessity of mm-hmm. grounding things in whatever form of truth they ought to be grounded grounded in, whether it be logic or reason or biology or the natural world or whatever. Like, it's just, doesn't matter. It's all just floating around in this ether and it's all relative. So, you know, there's no real truth anyways. And, uh, you know, I think that's one, incredibly destructive to an individual and a society. And two, being turned around by having you know, the base layer being grounded in the truest truth there is basically, which is, you know, energy and the, the realness of that and the necessity for all things to have and use energy to actualize and to uh, achieve their ends. And, you know, i.e. in Bitcoin and in a way in which to structure society around something like that, I think will, it will bring us back to um, the proper reverence or orientation around truth and and not so easily be able to be pushed off of that course yeah yes i guess you know yeah i guess that's you know in some ways that's it that is maybe always been the function of pain you know it's like to to course correct sure sure you know some kind of pain i mean yeah you match all that within this political climate of you know i mean i'm no 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 political scientist or anything but like you know, I'm starting to ask my, I keep asking those questions like, well, these people are trying to get these votes. <laughs> you know, all the, so many, you know, everyone's got a vote and it's like people are pandering to people for votes and so many people feel indignant and put upon and they're lashing out as if they've been wronged and the people are trying to get those people's votes. It's like, whoa, this is not, we're not headed in the right direction. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but th- this is, this is, I guess, how things kind of reach their horrible conclusion oftentimes because things don't spiral into better circumstances. They often spiral into worse and then they have to be reconstructed. Right. And this is the problem with the current system we're in is that it increasingly creates bad outcomes for people. It, it, it generates more and more pain to your point. And that pain is not used to course correct. That pain is actually an impetus for asking for more pain, which is, i.e., asking for the apparatus, political and economic, that created the pain to intervene even more, mm-hmm. the result of which is more pain. And yeah. it just, you know, and fucking, this is why we Bitcoin, right? Because more and mm-hmm. more people are realizing that that doesn't work. That's been tried a million mm-hmm. times in a million places. When things get bad and the pitchforks come out and the coup happens and the military dictator takes mm-hmm. over and it, things start up again and maybe they're cool for a while and it just always the same bullshit. Mm-hmm. This hopefully 
stops or dramatically improves the outcomes of, of those types of cycles. And, you know, we're always that whole, like, you know, uh, hard men create good times meme. Like, I can't see how that's not always going to be the case because there'll be a certain degree of complacency that comes with things going well, but I don't think we'll shoot ourselves in the foot in the same way. And hopefully not in as bad a way as we currently are, because I mean, you can see this in, well, I, this is the era we're in now. I mean, it may be in certain pop pockets politically, uh, it's not going that way, but I think over the course of time, it will. I mean, if you look at around it, uh, in Latin America over the last year with, you know, the elections of, I think in like Colombia and Chile and uh, in many of those countries, you know, socialist leaders are being elected because they're promising to resolve the problems that people are facing of poverty and, you know, deprivation of various kinds and violence and that kind of stuff. And, you know, with more government action, sure, of course, the government should take care of education, of course, the government should take care of, uh, you know, medicine and housing and this and that and the other thing, and that will resolve your problems. And when you're someone who has nothing, and you're literally, you know, you don't know where you're going to get food for tonight's dinner for your family, it's got to be hard not to want to take that bait, you know, not to want to just the immediate solution, fuck, I don't care what it happens down the road. This motherfucker says he's going to give me more shit. Get him in power so I can get more shit, you know, and this I'm, and why do we so often talk about low time preference in Bitcoin? And again, it is a privilege to be able to talk about it in the way we do in, in many cases. But why do we is because we recognize that the benefits of it, we recognize that that's how you have to be looking at things, especially the most meaningful or important things and how to turn around or construct them in the best possible way. And it's just, you know, so that's a scenario that we're currently in. And I think it will play out and it'll continue to get worse in various ways, like we mentioned when we started this thing. But at least Bitcoin is right there running tandem, a little orange dingy life raft that's like, yo, come on in. Like you can just it's it's pretty easy, you know, like it's not that hard anymore. It's getting easier all the time. Jump in. It's not a panacea. There's, you know, depending on where you are, lots of shit you're going to have to contend with but it's a step in the right direction. It can be, you know, it can be a big step in the right direction of helping you at least insulate yourself to, you know, not broader society, not the political apparatus, not your countrymen and all that kind of stuff, but yourself so that you can be in a position to make more free decisions. Again, like we were saying earlier, and those are decisions that it's, that's the most important thing to be put yourself in a place where you're making the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the emerging sly roundabout way, you know, to, to, of, of our, of our golden age, you know, or whatever it's like, it's the sly roundabout. And I think it's going to be that way. It's going to, you know, it, it's going to, the way that we have, I guess in the last, whatever would be this cycle would be 80, 90 years, <clears throat> you know, and I don't, I don't know, I don't necessarily know about price because, you know, that's one of the, the geniuses of this thing is, you know, the baked in greed factor, but I think the cultural shifts, you know, the, that will be slow and steady. And, um, and, and I, 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 I mean, I, I'm so optimistic. Like I, I get the, once in a while, I get this sort of feeling of like, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, people say, well, humans will always be humans. And well, I, okay. Yeah. But maybe like, uh, do I dare say this time is different? Like maybe there, there, there is a prolonged, you know what I mean? Like there could be a prolonged cycle 
that is a quote unquote, you know, Renaissance or a golden age or whatever you want to call it. Like, and that would be amazing. And it would take a lot to displace it. You know, like it would take a lot if we get going in the right direction and we keep that momentum. And I think with this thing, we might, and uh, who knows? I mean, you know, it could be yeah, like, well, I mean, go ahead. The, the other constant is like, we also always change. I mean, we were fucking hunter gatherers or cavemen at a certain point. And we're pretty different from that now too. Right. So we mm-hmm. should, we should be careful about how much we extrapolate our current state of behavior and consciousness and all that stuff into a future that has an environment that's dramatically different. Cause as, as we've alluded to a number of times here, that will pull out different behaviors that will, that will amplify certain behaviors and dial down others. And hopefully we'll be in a position to be more conscious about that and, and be more involved in that process. And to your point, I think that probably will put us in a position where we are able to, if nothing else, extend the periods where things don't go completely off the rails. Um, yeah. And, and that would be good. You know, it's part of the reason why I'm really fascinated with like ancient Egypt and ancient Manoa mm-hmm. and, you know, ancient China, India, Indus Valley, et cetera, but particularly those Manoa, the Minoan civilization, because it was just, it's so small, it's just on the Island of Crete really. And uh, it was pretty much contemporaneous with ancient Egypt. So maybe a tiny bit later. So if, if we say that ancient Egypt started around 3,500 BC uh, officially, um, then maybe ancient Manoa was like, you know, 3000 BC or 2,500 BC, something like that. But, you know, it seemed to be a amazing society, you know, like where there was a lot of, well, a lot of peace, a lot of prosperity, rich cultural, like, you know, the art and the fashion and the architecture and all that kind of stuff very little signs of implements of war and defense and that stuff great you know mediterranean food and all that jazz and it was just like seemed like a little mini paradise and egypt may be a bit different especially on like the uh you know the the war and defense sort of front but still you have a culture which was able to maintain itself for like I don't know when you want to peg the the downfall of Egyptian civilization, whether you want to do it with like, you know, Cleopatra and Mark Antony or in the, in the Ptolemaic period or whatever, but I don't know. Let's just say, yeah, let's just say 3000 years for easy numbers. That's a Uh, long time. Yeah. And they maintain a cohesive, vibrant, prosperous culture for that much time. And we can't even, Mm -hmm. 3000 years is a ridiculous amount of time, you know, especially in the context of, human affairs and culture. We can't even conceive of that. I mean, look, look, British empire, they had their hundred years, America, maybe mm-hmm. they'll have their hundred years. Portugal had their hundred years, Spain had mm-hmm. their hundred years. And they were, they were so, like on top of the world for 3000 years. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's obviously possible. And I think the, the really juicy, interesting questions is like, what permits that to happen? And I think one of the answers to that, I mean, obviously we, we both think, one of the answers is the money and in this case, Bitcoin and the type of money. But I also think like there's something else going on there too. Right. Uh, and in the case of Egypt, like I think it was a highly developed um, relationship to the domains of value and meaning, you know, religion, broadly speaking, and how hmm. highly developed and how relevant and how real that was to the society such that it oriented it so well that it was able to maintain itself or persist for so long. And surely other factors, you know, 
fertile valley, lots of food, all that kind of stuff. But even that, I mean, other places have had a lot of that stuff and they haven't been able to establish the same degree of and length of flourishing. And again, there's a lot of variables here, but I, I, my only point in bringing it up is like, I think, as we were saying before, there seems to be this uh, resurgence of interest in domains of maximal meaning, let's say, which, you know, again, philosophy, theology, religion, this, this type of stuff. And I think part of that is about a conscious and subconscious recognition that engaging that territory on an optimized basis is what allows you to optimize individual and collective life. And to the degree that you, that, that those representations become more and more sophisticated and map with greater fidelity onto a truth that we can't, that's not readily apparent or that we can't necessarily see uh, to the degree to, to which it does that, it, that probably dictates in large part, the degree of success of individual and collective. And perhaps why many of us are starting to turn our attention there and why I suspect in, in a, you know, in the future that we're moving into this aspect of things will become uh, much more work will be devoted to them and we'll gain a lot more clarity on them. And that will be good. And that will help us hopefully extend the period of, of good times and stave off the bad times. Yeah, totally. And, and, and so if we go just, just push into that just a little bit more, like I'll share, and then maybe I'll ask you like up until this point in your life, like, do you have a sense of, um, I'll not answer my own question, but like a sense of like the how to, you know, like, do you have a sense of like now, like what, what, what can be done? You know, what can, what can a person done without this becoming prescriptive or whatnot, you know, but a life lived and a certain number of years lived, like some, I think everyone has some degree of some degree of intelligence around it, you know? And, and it's, I think it's important that those are the kinds of things that get shared or, uh, and, and I think it's part of the reason why, you know, what you're doing and the, the conversations you're having and, and the way you so, eloquently sort of foster them is like a big thing, you know? Um, and, and what I'll say is that <clears throat> there's something about um, you said, you said earlier, like you're, you're reading physics, you know, and, and I said something about like the tingles, there's something about the, the, uh, what I would describe as like a whisper, like a tingle, a whisper, uh, just a slight sort of like, thing of being drawn towards something you know and and if there's nothing if it's just crickets if it's just dead air and, and people feel then i think what requires is like almost like a forceful exploration like to literally launch oneself you know want literally but launch oneself into to uncomfortable situations like to to go into unknown uncomfortable places you know hopefully with the tether that is like an instinct, like drawn towards it, but if not something, you know, and, and, and I like what Peterson touches on, which is, you know, this thing of like responsibility because, because what I can sense and what I've observed from my own experience, and that's all I got really my own experience, my own life is that when I undertook the thing that I didn't think I could do, you know, that I doubted I could do, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to try it. When I undertook that, when I, when I took on that challenge, something happened, you know, and in, 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 well, really, no, not in many ways. And I, I wasn't really that equipped, 
you know, in some ways I, I wasn't really equipped to do it, but I wanted to, I wanted to try these things. I was drawn to these things. And it's almost like, I think, and it's, you know, humans in general, but especially men, you know, again, I speak as a man, it's like, we need to, there's gotta be a mountain, you know, like there's gotta be something there that we can test ourselves against or, you know, go try, you know, to try to, to do something. And in the failure in this and the success and the difficulty, the difficulty of it, it's the difficulty of it. I think that creates some kind of relationship with something other than ourselves that is powerful, you know, something outside of ourselves. Like, like I, I've always had this sort of thought, I guess, about this topic that when I, if I need it, it will be there. But if I don't need it, fuck off. You know, like if I'm not in a place in my, in my life, in some situation or some endeavor or some where I need guidance, quote unquote, help, uh, something higher, some, you know, experience of something greater. If I don't need it, why would it show? You know, and so I think there's, I think, again, this is my own stuff that I'm throwing out there, but, but I think when we take on that thing that we, we're not sure we can do it. In fact, we're afraid to do it, you know, that then when we need it, something will come, but if we don't need it, you know, if we're, if we're, you know, we we're, we're playing over here and we get all the rules, the rules are simple and everything's, you know, I don't know. I just think it's not as likely. It's not as likely to happen. Does that make sense? I'm trying yeah, to articulate something that's that, difficult to articulate. But. No, I thought you did a great job and it makes perfect sense. And I think it's why the quote unquote hero's journey is the narrative that has dominated human narrative for all of, all of our history, you know, like that's, that seems to be the rub. And, and, you know, there've been a lot of people throughout time that have, both written those narratives and their salience speaks to their how fundamental they are and then there's been people to explicate them like joseph campbell or jordan peterson and these types that you know kind of get, give you a better sense of why they're so important and all the different elements that are involved but sure it's like you sense there's something bigger you sense it's outside of your capability you embark on the journey anyways you have a certain degree of faith in, in doing it what you end up finding is not necessarily what you set out for it requires you to, you know, kill or a part of yourself to die so that you can be reborn in a different form that's more capable of accomplishing the task or appreciating the reward. And, you know, this is the cycle of, mm -hmm. of, of growth. And it makes me think of that quote. I don't know who it's attributed to, um, but it's something like, like reality or God will give to you the experiences required for the evolution of your consciousness or something like that. And mm -hmm lots of uh, big terms there, like, you know, what's the evolution of your consciousness and why should it even be, you know, why is that even something to be desired? And maybe that's part of a longer conversation, but it kind of, it makes sense in a way that like, if you continue to uh, engage or confront the things that emerge in your path with the same perspective or consciousness, then you, you're, you're probably always going to regenerate those same things because you're not maybe necessarily meeting them in the proper way to remove them as an obstacle and get on to something even more fundamental or even more meaningful or even more valuable. And so it'll just, it'll keep 
you'll keep confronting it almost by virtue of the fact that you'll keep inviting it until you find a way to resolve it, to break down that metaphorical wall, to remove that impediment and move to an experience or a challenge that has an even greater reward, or is that even more important for, you know, whatever end you might be pursuing or an end that you maybe aren't even consciously pursuing, but that would be beneficial to you nonetheless. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think we're, I think, I mean, I, again, I don't know I've experienced this to whatever degree, you know, in the years that I've had so far, but like, I think we, we evolved towards a place of play like that, that we, I can, you know, it, it, if allowed and, and, and if sort of unfettered in a way, like we, we sort of start off very playful, you know, um, humans sort of have this inherent sort of, I think kids that are, you know, totally haven't been like, fucked yeah, up. They're, yeah, parent, it just it looks like yeah, it. but it's just play. You know, plays just sort of in there. And I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, at some point, yeah, when we we get we get really free, we 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 feel the play of it all, you know. And 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 so I think it, the joy, yeah, the joy and the play barometer is just a, a wonderful. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it is. The well, it's such a pra pragmatic way to frame uh, confronting novelty too, right? Because mm. if it's always mm. framed as like an objective and a necessity and like I need to confront this novelty so I can get through it, then it, you, you invoke or bring in all like the insecurity. Oh, I'm not capable. I don't have the requisite blah, 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 blah. And it becomes mm. this like you're far less efficient at engaging that process. But play is almost a means of tricking yourself into being like, oh, this... I'm just going to roll around in the novelty and, you mm -hmm. know, I'm not going to place that much pressure on mm -hmm. myself as I do it. And what also, what inevitably results is some kind of data information acquisition. And so you're, you're like, you're scooping up information, you're scooping up data about your environment or your, or whatever, uh, in a way that you're not, uh, filtering it with your own sense of inadequacies, inadequacies, for example. And then, you know, maybe subconsciously and consciously, you're able to do more with that data because you've, you've, you've uh, playfully fum fumbled around in acquiring it rather than like putting pressure on yourself to inquire it. Maybe this is some kind of evolutionary way that we're able to, despite our proclivities or uh, what's the word, like our. Uh, it's like we release our self-importance and there's so much more space or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Like despite the type of person we are, we have that mm -hmm. available to us to get information that could be beneficial or useful to us. Now, who knows? I'm way out on a limb on speculating on this shit now, but no, it's cool. um, I mean, can I ask you, we're probably getting close to close, but can I, can I ask you, you mentioned physics to begin with, but is there something, is there something in your life that's kind of like tingling? I know the, these conversations are, you know, really meaningful to you and, and, I think to everyone who has them. Um, so that's been a big thing. And, and your podcasting has kind of grown a lot. Um, and you, now you're reading stuff, but do, do you get a sense? Is there something currently, if you want to answer, you, you know, go for yeah, it. No, I don't, I don't mind trying that's to true. answer. I mean, it's always reflecting on yourself is one of the hardest things to do. Right. Cause you, you're, you're not aware of your own blind spots and biases yeah, and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I continue to engage in these types of conversations uh, probably, well, a, a lot and at the exclusion of a lot of other stuff. And I, I suspect that at some point, anyone who cares to listen is, is going to kind of become tired of them, but <laughs> it's because the thing that 
is tingling me right now is like this subject matter and the, the piece of writing I'm, I'm trying to engage in. It, it is this, you know, the answer to the question that we've been uh, discussing this whole conversation, which is like, when you, when you get placed in a position of, if not total freedom, greater freedom, and now you're confronted with what are the ends to which I've established and engaged the means? And what are the things that permit both an individual and a culture to be optimally constituted and oriented for quote unquote success? And what, what does success even mean? And, you know, we have examples like we brought up of ancient Egypt or Manoa, and we brought up examples of, you know, uh, uh, rites of passage and different forms of ritual and stuff. And to me, like, and I don't think this is, this is, has not been intentional for me, but my, I just seem to be drawn to uh, these fundamental questions, you know, that, and as I, as I try to gain clarity on them, like obviously many people have grappled with them throughout history. And one of the great things, one of the things I've been enjoying about the use of my time lately is just like how much I've been reading. Like I've just been reading like a maniac, you know, and it's, I've always been a big reader, but you know, you go through peaks and troughs where you kind of get out of the habit for a while, for a while, at least I did. And now like, you know, I got like 40 books on my Kindle. I'm reading eight at a time. And it's just, it's great to, it's great to be able to see what other people in different times, different circumstances were thinking about these things. And, you know, if the thesis that we, that we, we seem to share is true that like we're on the precipice of a lot of things being fundamentally changed and hopefully upgraded as a result of this monetary, you know, quote unquote, monetary upgrade, um, then what does it look like? And, and I, my underlying assumption is that the, the more clarity we can have, or at least the more clarity I can have about its structure, you know, and, and how to confront and determine and engage meaning and value in these sorts of things, the better life is going to be. Because I think those are the primary determinants of the things that conjure joy and peace and contentness and love and, and these sorts of things. And so my, you know, I've, I've just been really enjoying digging into all the different nooks and crannies around that stuff and trying to, and you know, whatever I'm writing is totally for me, you know, as is, has always been all my stuff, but it like, mm. I'm, cause you know, you know what it's like, you, your, your head is a mess, you know? Mm. And like, you don't, we start up this conversation today. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. We don't talk about it beforehand. It's just bleh, mm. like it comes out when it's, when it's seated by a conversation partner. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I have a faith that there is a, a more properly structured and articulated, um, set of things in here. And I want to get them out and arrange them properly so that I can see the full picture more clearly. And I, my faith is that engaging in that is going to deliver a better state of existence for lack of a better term. And so that has been my motivation in uh, a lot of the, you know, work or time I've been uh, using lately. I don't know if that answers your original question, but yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, we're just towing into it, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear, you know, you talk a bit about it. Um, yeah. It just, when you said that, it, the, the, the thought that came to my mind was how writing can tame the mind. You know, it's almost yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it, it tames it, you know, and it's and, like, and it's an alchemical sort of, process because you you mm -hmm. have to change 
like you don't realize how unstructured you are, I guess, is mm. maybe one way of putting it. And when, when you actually have to, you just, it all just makes sense, right? And you're in the shower and you're having a crap and you're having a workout and it all, you know, yeah, sure. It's in there and it's all ordered properly. And, you know, I'm, I'm acting rationally and correctly all the time. But when you're actually forced to transmute it out into the real, the quote unquote real world, right? Or the, at least the physical or phenomenal world, um, you realize how un organized it is and the reason why i say it's alchemical is because like the very process of putting it into order like necessarily causes you to change at least that's been my experience like you you have to be more patient you have to have your ego you have to have a more control over your ego you have to not just want to have it done as quickly as possible you have to not just be thinking mm -hmm. about the accolades you're going to receive if you write something and it's great and people love it like You've got to, all that stuff has to be sorted out so that you can access, you know, the ideas or the insights properly and you can get them out and you can organize them and you can do it with full faith to the idea and not whatever the outcome of succeeding in that endeavor is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh go ahead. I was just going to, if, if you didn't have a response to that, I was going to ask you, so and we will shut it down in a few minutes, yeah. but one of the things that, and this is, you know, we're totally in the realm of speculation. So there's obviously no it's right great. answers, but it, uh, you know, I think oftentimes we fail. Well, as we've alluded to in this conversation, we tend to extrapolate from the current circumstance, right? This is why it's pretty hard to predict the future and why movies are, you know, usually don't do a great job at it. Um, and so we think about this renaissance that we've been talking about that will be instigated by Bitcoin. And I, like, I'm increasingly curious, what will that really look like? You know, we've discussed here the importance of family and early development and, uh, you know, an orientation towards things of greater meaning and not necessarily the frivolous or material uh, aspects of life. And so in, in this culture where highly secular, probably massive state, fiat, et cetera. What we tend to project out into the future as being like the highest ambition for ourselves is like more fanciful technology, whether that's colonies on Mars or, you know, transporters on earth. But that seems to be the notion of progress. And therefore that seems to be what like our collective ambition is oriented towards again, broad brushstrokes, but that's my impression. And so if, you know, what do you think we will be striving for in a culture that is, has a fundamentally different orientation? I'm just curious to. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. That. I mean, I love it. I love that. Um, I mean, I, I think it's, I think there's an inevitability to this thing of like, you know, going out and I think at least for a sector, maybe of the population or a part of the culture, this thing of Mars and out and out and outward, um, but I think there's also like a chance that we give that a swing and realize that there's no there there, you know? Um, and, it, and I think it goes back maybe to like part of what we're talking about, which is like, we stop looking outward and, and we, we embrace that going inward and may, maybe the technology will also go inward. I don't know, but like the human thing to like, to put our, our attention back on our selves, on our humanness, on our, 
our experience of life itself and how can we it do we play a part in the experience of our own life and can we you know not improve it but enjoy it like can we figure out you know can we walk the path so that we really enjoy this experience of being alive um again without this end goal in mind or whatever and so i think that um this is this is a weird cheesy um reference suddenly but 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 speaking of movies that don't do a good job and not that this was a good movie and or a bad movie but what was cameron's movie there with the planet yeah avatar there was something about the 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 sitting in the group meditation that really resonated with me you know around this big tree it was like there was something about that image that felt really powerful to me. So, so I, I, I think that we, we will probably go out, you know, again, what the fuck do I know? But, but go out, we will miss the mark. We will see that there's no there there. We'll return, come back and realize that or and experience the profound joy of, of, of a deep um, relationship to e- each other ourselves and to nature you know like that that will be it's what where what it's what we sprung sprung from and it's kind of what we are meant to return to in 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 one sort of capacity or another and i think that um you know the relationship to nature is i think we're we're going to sort it out i think um and then this the self thing you know i think that's emerging and then this other thing that maybe is more I don't know. I don't know if it's more complicated. Maybe it is, maybe not. Maybe they're all connected. I think they're, they are all connected, but this idea of how do we relate to one another? Um, and that's my, actually my current, well, my current, it's been for a while. I, I, I have yet to sort of implement, I guess my impulse, but like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated, drawn. So, I love the playfulness of like engaging with other people and all the different ways that one can engage with other people. Um, and let me just provide a little bit of context so that this doesn't sound, you know, um, but I, I have a, a so my, my fiat life, my pre-Bitcoin, <laughs> my pre-Bitcoin life is like one from like performance film and television. And mm-hmm. um so I, I trained as an, as an actor, quote unquote, an actor, you know, whatever the fuck that means. But, um, and it was a, the most meaningful sort of shift in my life when I sort of underwent this thing that came out of completely left field to try to do this thing, you know, that I had, didn't think I could do. And, um, and then that led me to, you know, classes and people and, you know, teachers and you know, all this stuff, like, you know, it's like going into the gym basically. Um, and trying out a bunch of different gyms and, and I came into this, you know, one gym where this, you know, guy was teaching this thing of like how to relate to somebody else, you know, as a means to an end, which was to avail yourself to your own internal landscape, and then be able to relate profoundly deeply with somebody else who's relating to their own internal landscape and be in relation, you know, like he was essentially kind of, and still is kind of teaching this intimacy, like to, to have profound intimacy, you know, with somebody else. And I've never been able to 
not want to do it since I sort of was in it, you know, in this thing. And it's like a specific kind of exercise. You sort of go up with one other person and you do this sort of repetition thing. But what I've discovered over the course of a decade is, well, profound sort of insight around the male female dynamic, because, you know, I got to watch people do this over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of times. And then for myself, I, you know, I started to learn, and I think I've referenced this to you before. And when we had that chat with, um, um, with Pierre, yeah, this, this experience of, of, um, discovering all the things that are in me and, and, and being able to share and relate with someone else in that capacity, you know, because like, you know, what is, what is lust? I mean, it's, it's in relation, you know, what, what is uh, cruelty? It's in relation. And so, um, this is a long, long-winded thing, and I, I, I probably won't get to it, or maybe, maybe it's for another time. But like, um, yeah, I feel like I've stumbled onto this thing, and I don't know how to bring it out to more people. You know, it's this sort of small thing that happens amongst you know really dedicated people in the performance arts thing. You know, which is its own rabbit hole that I could you know wax on about. But, but, um, but it's 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 engendered in me like a thirst for profound authenticity and intimacy and play and also acceptance of all the things that are, that make me up, you know, like, and that's given me enormous peace because I've actually had the, I guess, good fortune. I think this is how I describe it to myself of like going over my inner terrain, like, and really going over it and experiencing it and having it in relation to other people in a way that was for lack of a better term, like safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think the reason why, because I had no history in, 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 in the, in the performing arts, you know, no family history, no, it would have been the last thing I ever thought I was going to do growing up. But I think the reason why I was drawn to it is that I wanted to, be free of my own shackles, you know, like the, the, like I, I could feel my own sh kind of shackles in a way. And I wanted to not feel like that. I wanted to feel like I was okay. Like that. I didn't have, not that I will throw, drop a big word in there, but like shame, you know, like the shackles of shame, which I think is a very human thing, but like to explore oneself in relation to somebody else in a way that's like, profound it's like i don't know shame like the shame starts to dissolve you know it's like i stopped judging all the parts of me and and that has made me over the course of you know a decade plus like judge others far far less mm -hmm. you know because i see that ah that's me too i got that oh yeah i'm like that too that's in me for sure that's in me too i got that that's you know and so I don't go like wrong, you wrong, mm -hmm. you know, I just go, Oh yeah, I got that too. That's me. Oh, I know that about myself. <laughs> I know that I could, you know, this is, these are the things I'm capable of. And, and, and it's, it's a wide spectrum, you know, it's from the, from the dark, what I would say that, you know, very darkest dark to the lightest light. And um, anyways, I bring all this up just because we were sort of going in that, that direction of like, 
you know, what's next or what are you drawn to? And I'm trying to figure out how I can bring this thing, you know, out um, because it's been such an incredible gift to me. And I, I can't help but think that it's a human thing that might be an incredible, you know, gift to other people in this realm of like, you know, freedom, I guess, feeling free. Well, I mean, is not maybe writing about this stuff uh, a decent start in figuring out how to do something with it? Yeah, maybe. Like, I maybe. mean, again, just to, to organize and clarify everything that, that's probably a bit messy in your head. And then, you know, once it's out there on the page, you can determine yeah. what to do with it. You know, because again, I mean, this is, I, I think I understand well, at least what you're what, part of what you're trying to say, but I mean, you know, the, the, our own capacity to understand ourselves is, is what dictates our capacity for compassion and empathy with others. Right. And if you truly have that, then you're probably going to be, uh, you know, the edges of your judgment will probably be softened to, to some degree, right. You, you certainly can't stop from judging internally, but you know, how, however you express that and externally, uh, is probably going to have more, you know, compassion built in as it were. And I think that's a good thing. I also think though, uh, you know, so often, and I'm not in any way saying that this is the case with you or, or what you want to pursue, because I think further elucidating and exploring that territory is exactly the type of like module that would be in the quote unquote curriculum, even if it's not formalized like that of developing young people, as we were talking about before, like the, these are the things, these are the, the components that really help someone become a well-adjusted, healthy, capable, responsible individual, not like mm -hmm. the history of, you know, European fucking privateering in the Caribbean or something like that, you know, like I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Right. And so this, this should be it. But I, I do think that in, in today's world, again, broadly speaking, many exceptions, but like, so, you know, the whole, it's okay to be not okay thing, like, sure, in a moment, but it's not okay to just accept not being okay forever. You know, the, 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 there's a, this fiat, the, 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 the softness associated with fiat that we maybe often, you know, criticize, uh, I think has to be one properly fleshed out as you just described, and then balanced with like a grit you know, a harshness, a toughness, a, like that, mm -hmm. as we were saying before, like, you know, the, the kind of more aggressive a forging. aspects it's of a, ourselves. A, yeah, forging. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And those two things to, taken together, uh, you know, with many other things, uh, probably, you know, would be helpful in constituting a well-integrated person, you know, and, and this is the whole, that's the rub, right? Being integrated within yourself, being integrated within your family, being integrated within your community, being in integrated within the natural environment you're in, being integrated within the broader invisible landscape that somehow influences you, whether we want to call it spirituality or any of that kind of stuff, like to the extent, and I, I do think that's been the enterprise of, of culture forever. It's like trying to figure out what those integration points are. How do we nestle ourselves within all the different nestled patterns of the seen and unseen reality that we exist in how do we properly align with all those things and it seems like if you can do that you put yourself in the best position possible to have the best experience of life and 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 to the question that i asked you you know about what will we pursue like it's impossible it's impossible for me not to think that we'll still 
we're always going to be curious. We're always going to want to push the boundaries. So I, I'm not saying that I think like space exploration or whatever is going to go away, but I just, I'm recognizing, I, I think it's fairly rational to assume that when you're, what you value and the, the things from which you derive meaning, when those change, they change your motivations for behavior. And when your motivations for behavior change, you get different actions and you get different outcomes, of course. And, you know, maybe, maybe Egypt is kind of, you know, kind of a decent example here because they seem to have, you know, out of nowhere reached an extremely high level of technological and architectural and spiritual sophistication, and then more or less stayed at that level for several thousand years. And so I wonder if, again, I, I do think we'll continue to explore the stars as it were, but I wonder just how, like, how what we're going to strive for. And when we get certain things in place, are we just going to be like, that's where it should be for now. And we can shift our focus to other things. And do we get to a place where we're, we're kind of like, again, it's impossible. I like, I don't think we're going to stop innovating, but I guess I should just say, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by the, the prospect of what a change in values and principles and, you know, the sources of the, the meaning that we're able to access when that changes, as it seems potentially to be the case around this new future that we're moving into as a result of Bitcoin, how, how does it change our notions of, of what are the best things to strive for and, and how motivating they are and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, definitely, and I, definitely no answer, but I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that, that, um, we're only really going to go so far, you know, out, outward as we are like able to, you know, and if we go too far and we're, and it's not supported by something real and, you know, something real inside of us, you know, as a species. And, and this is the thing that I think, you know, you often allude to this, whatever it is, I don't know, relation to, to, to the divine, the meaningfulness, the value. If we don't have that, no matter how far we think we're going to go, it's going to come back down. We're going to, we're going to come back down. There's, there's just no way to go. You can't go beyond your skis or whatever, you know, like you mm -hmm. just, so, um, yeah. So I think, I mean, um, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, like maybe a succinct way of put it, of putting it is like, what's ultimately more motivating your ability to more efficiently or more easily access like the joy and wonder of existence wherever you might be or a different colored rock on a different planet like and i know i that's an oversimplification and some people hate me for it but it, it, i think it kind of speaks to you know the difference in motivations between things like and i'm as interested in in modern technology and what what is happening in other parts of the galaxy and other parts of the universe as anybody else so I'm not saying I even want the, the, this to be the case in the future. It just seems, seems to be more and more, the more I delve into, you know, all these books and thoughts that I've been reading and having seems to be likely that if we do truly access like a greater, if we're more able to apprehend like the, the realms of meaning, you know, more clearly, let's say than we have before, you know, by we wouldn't call them meaningful if they didn't have a greater motivational attraction, a greater motivational significance. And, and how will that reorient, uh, you know, what we strive to experience, I guess.
anyways, I think you get it. No, no, it's great. No, I get it. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's what is going on, you know, like this, this, this desire to go out, you know, um, you know, I think it just speaks to the, the, like, you know, again, these human things, um, I, I always go back to like these human things, like, what do I need? What do I, what, do, what, what, what am I trying to fill? What do I, what, right. what, what brings me peace and me, you know, and I think for some people, maybe, you know, that it reaching out, reaching out is like to, to, you know, with the desire the hope the, that it'll be the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we inevitably realize that, you know, it's actually within me, you know, that it's in me and I, I gotta, I gotta go in me. It's not going to be, you know, on the, you know, the, the space station, it's going to be back towards me. And um, yeah, I don't know. I want to share this one thing just because I don't know, it's just tingling in me, but like I, I did this, this thing a while back, you know, a number of years back so before I was a parent and before I got married um, where I, you know, did a retreat and it was, you know, yoga and, you know, it was intense and meditation, you know, six weeks and, you know, meditating, meditating, meditating a lot. And um, well, I actually have two of those stories. I don't know if we keep going, but maybe in personal, t- tell the other one. But um, up to you. And uh, yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> and there was one point, you know, it just it just started happening. You know, I was waking up at like whatever three or three 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 thirty in the morning, and I couldn't not wake up. I was always waking up at the same time, and uh, I would just sit, you know, sit and sit in silence and you know we use this word meditate or whatever but you know just sitting there in silence my girlfriend now wife was like next to me in bed sleeping and and um just quiet you know eyes closed sitting upright and this would be like two hours you know it's usually 3 30 to 5 30 and it was like night after night after night after night and um i don't know <laughs> just you know it's this thing right and then one night um <laughs> one night it's like something happened in the quiet and my experience of it still to this day, I don't really know. Right. But my experience was like, I was downloading something. Like that's what it felt like. Like it felt like I just click clicked into something and it was like, I felt like I was downloading something. And, and I think, I mean, again, I don't, I think about it sometimes, you know, just for whatever. And just in this moment, sort of, get the sense like oh maybe it was the the downloading was the thing that that the the message was the experience you know that i was not necessarily what i was downloading although i downloaded something and you know i wrote it down in this very plain english afterwards and but maybe it was the downloading that was the actual thing because it was such a you mean like your felt experience when it was happening the felt experience was i was downloading something it's like and have you have you made i mean but just the experience right I'll, I'll i'll get to like what i downloaded whatever but like i what i was downloading something like it was just the weirdest you know it's can't describe it but i felt like i anyways as you can see i'm bumbling here um and, and maybe what i was downloading isn't that important maybe it is i don't know but the right. the, the the simple message whatever information or whatever was that 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 the oneness you know like the oneness of everything um can only be known like can only exist because of the separateness like 
that that all the separateness of everything it's the only way to know the oneness do you know what i mean and, totally. and that so that that is why <laughs> I, I always stumble when i try to talk to somebody about this thing you know because i don't know what the, but 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 the the thing that yeah the separateness was essential you know and so the and i i sort of extrapolate to that to the you know, all the ways that things go quote unquote wrong, you know, all the malevolence, all the, all of it was like somehow it was essential to, to knowing the oneness of everything. Anyways, again, make of that what you will, but the, the, the experience of the download was like, you know, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I would like to have it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've had, uh, well, similar experiences and insights. I mean, I think Again, in, in a lot of the literature, if you dig deep and deep enough down, doesn't matter what culture or tradition, you know, you, 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 you start with the first separation, the first duality, right? Mm -hmm. Night and day, light and black, positive, negative, one and zero. I mean, it's, and that duality is what gives birth to the world of experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it begs the question why, and either on your own or through an, you know, an investigation of these, some of these traditions and writings, you the, the why is often so that you can be the one to determine mm -hmm. how you're going to have that experience and which way it's going to go. You know, this goes back to mm -hmm. what we were saying about when you have freedom, then you're confronted with the both, you know, the opportunity and the responsibility to dictate, well, as a force of nature, as an individual, as someone who acts and who creates things, what are my choices going to create? Like, what am I going to participate in creating more good or more bad, you know, broadly end of the poll speaking. And, um, and it also kind of goes back to what we we're saying about, you know, uh, childbirth and that like state of absolute dependence, you know, as being almost like the, the, the first separation. And then you go through life and you try to relieve that dependence so that you can kind of reconnect to you know, to use the term you just used to the, to the oneness, you know, how do you, how do you reattain that type mm. of liberation that maybe it was a state you were in prior to being born or maybe, you know, who knows, but I, I, I certainly, uh, the con, you know, what you just described is certainly concepts that both myself and from what I can tell many others have wrestled with before and come to them in, both similar and, and different forms, you know, in the kind of revelatory download aspect of things, or just mm. through quiet contemplation or through, you know, whatever. I mean, there's many, seems to be many ways to skin this cat, you know, to get that yeah. download. But, um, yeah. and this is, you know, the idea of, of revelation is obviously represented in so many different traditions as well. And, you know, it's, it's, I think we ascribe, uh, more importance to some people's revelations throughout history. And I, I, I can't see too much of a logical basis for doing that, but you know, it happens and maybe it's just meant to be context for your own, right. And to help you, you know, understand and engage and, and legitimize your own should and when it occurs so that you can use it most optimally, you know, so that you can, contend or grapple or integrate it with most effectively and not just be like, well, that was fucking weird, you know, onto the, you know, wake up the next day and kind of forget about it. You know, these things, 
are probably very meaningful and that they happen so consistently and to so many different people would seem to suggest that there's something fundamental about them. But, you know, this is why we have these types of discussions and why people write about this shit is because not only are they so common, you know, historically speaking, but um, they seem to be so meaningful, right? Like it's not, it's not like you, you had an itch and you just scratched it and now it's gone. It's like, this thing yeah no I, I can feel it i mean i, I can right. even feel it in, in my i can feel it in myself just the, i kind of have a bashfulness you know about even right. talking about it with you you know there's a kind right. of like it's um and it's very personal you know and and bashfulness because uh, you're like I, I i can't do it justice i'm kind of degrading the experience by articulating yeah, it or trying yeah to. yeah and then it's and then that it's so personal and meaningful to me that i don't think i could ever right you know I could try, I guess, you know, but to describe that experience, is just hard to do. And, um, but it, but it, uh, but it, it, it has resonated in me since, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, you know, this is maybe this, this, this time we get is just our opportunity, you know, our opportunity to be on that, that whatever that sort of path is to whatever extent we can. And, uh, and discover what you know i guess discover what we can but experience what we can yeah i agree what's the meaning of life and how do we how do we live it out <laughs> basically <laughs> um i it occurs to me now that um when you messaged me a few days ago you said you had a, a vein you wanted to tap i'm assuming we've at least partially addressed it or, yeah, or is there something well, else you wanted to no, get off no, your chest before we shut no, it down? No, not at all. I mean, I, you know, it's like, I mean, you, you have this unique thing um, that you talk to people, you know, and, and I listen to your conversations and, and this has happened to me a number of times. And I, I, I DM Gigi with this, which was like, I feel like I know you guys, you know, like, and it's a weird thing to say, but like, I feel this weird thing of like, I know you. And so, you know, I get, it's, I feel lucky to, to listen to, you know, s certain people, especially in the space, like talk about stuff and, and, and it's a weird thing to go. I just get that. I get that. I know that person. I, and so, when, you know, I reached, I've reached out to a few times and I just feel like, you know, I look forward to the day we get to meet in person and, you know, hash out in person and all the stuff that might come of it. Um, but it's just a weird feeling to have that, you know, someone that you don't know. And, yeah. you know, there, there is something about this Bitcoin thing, you know, that uh, it's hard to describe it, but there's something about it. It's this undertone, you know, I've tried to tweet about it, but it just doesn't, you know. Well, I it get it all the time. Like I feel I, I, when I go to, you know, the last two Bitcoin conferences or like dinners and, and stuff, I mean, I think it's partially because it's, it's, it's clear that Bitcoin has certain values in it, right? Like, let's just say two obvious ones that I bring up all the time are, are truth and freedom, right? It's a verifiable mm -hmm. form of incorruptible truth. And it, it permits a certain degree of freedom that perhaps was never available before. And like, these are, values that obviously have application and representation in many other areas of, of life. And so like, if you're drawn to them and if you value them, I think it's, you're already coming on to a similar wavelength. Well, it, I mean, it maybe the better way to put it is like that 
to use somewhat metaphorical language, has a certain frequency, right? And people that yeah. are dialed into that frequency, they end up aligning with it. And just by virtue of that, other people, you know, other people that you encounter have done the same, you're kind of already on a similar frequency. And then, you know, then you get to figure out on, on what other ways you may be, you know, jiving or thinking in a similar way. And this, you know, I joked about it in a recent piece I wrote, which was like, you go to a conference and someone comes up to you, you don't recognize them at all, but then they, they tell you their Twitter handle and you're like mm -hmm. massive hug and meet like, as you say, like you feel like, you know, this person intimately, and then you just, you know, you get on with it, you hang out, you chat, you laugh, you cry, like all, all that normal stuff. And it's, um, it's a, yeah, I mean, this is why people call it a cult, of course, but it, it's a pretty amazing thing that uh, this convergence over certain paramount values or around certain paramount values seems to be occurring. And by virtue of, the, of that, and I think it's always the case, whether it's like a romantic relationship or a friendship, like if you line up on what you deem to be the most important values, then the rest is is relatively insignificant if it's not like celebrated and and a point of interest right Be, the challenge is, is if you're if you don't line up on the same values then it's unlikely you're going to have a good friendship you're going to be able to empathize with the person you're going to have the romantic relationship or any of that stuff but mm -hmm. if you do i mean it's it, i'm mean, of course it just it breaks down it, it, it fosters uh the formation of of genuine relationships very quickly it seems yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. The rest is just beauty, just gravy, juicy. It just, you know, it just, and, it, and it just, it, you know, it just becomes so easy. So I, I have yet to do it in person and go, you know, hit, hit, a, hit a comp and um, yeah. Um, Someday. I, I, yeah. I'm going to come out of the shell here and maybe start with some meetups and then just go from there. But yeah, you should do that. You, there's meetups around where you are, where you're at, aren't there? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's step yeah. one. Step one, baby. Well, man, I'll let you uh, call back whoever was calling you and yeah, get on with your wife. day. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Always great to chat. And uh, I'm sure we'll yeah. do it again sometime in the future. Sounds good, brother. Take good care. All right, brother. You too. See ya. Yep.